I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be on my mouth. If you are breathing this morning, this is your time to thank God for the breath of life he has given unto you. You can thank him by clapping your hands, you can thank him by shouting, but you can thank God. Amen. Amen. It's good to be with you this morning. Um, promise I won't keep you too long. Uh, somebody say, yeah. <laughs> Amen. I like that. Accountability. If you have your Bible with you, would you please turn to the Acts, book of Acts. After the four Gospels, you're going to find the book of Acts, chapter 1. Acts, chapter 1. This morning, I want to talk from the subject, a promised gift, a promised gift. If you have your Bible, would you please stand as reverence for the word of God, if you, have, if you found the scripture. Acts chapter 1, the first five verses. Hear now the word of God. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about that all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Verse 4 says, on one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he commended them, he says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Verse 5 says, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The word of God for the people of God. The grass withers, the flowers thereof fade, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Would you bow and join me in prayer? Father, as we come to the pinnacle of this worship experience, we realize that it's not about us. And so, Lord, we use the word of the Puritans, spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Anoint me afresh so that I may speak the truth and nothing but the truth, so help me, God. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable unto your sight. O oh Lord, my rock, my Savior, my Redeemer. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. And they should say amen. Amen. Come on, say a promised gift. You may be seated even in the presence of the Lord. I'm not a huge fan of sequels. As a matter of fact, most of my friends I talk to about movies, if there's a good movie that's made, the worst thing you can do is do a sequel to mess it up. I mean, you don't have to look too far for the Marvel fans. The sequels are not that much better than the originals. I'm not a Marvel fan, by the way. Um, but recently, one of my favorite movie of all, movies of all time, Coming to America, a sequel was made. 
And I don't know, I still don't know how I feel about that sequel. I mean, we're in the pandemic. I'm assuming we can grade it to a pandemic standard. But to what the original movie was, we all can agree that the sequel was a letdown. And typically, sequels do do that. They can't live up to the original expectation. Well, we have a sequel here in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a sequel to the Gospel of Luke. For those of you who don't know, Luke is a medical doctor by trade. And Luke is a companion of Paul on mission trips. In other words, you can tell that Luke is the medical director of the mission team. You, you know, when you go on mission team, <laughs> you better have a nurse. We're Haitian. Amen. I wish I had a witness this morning. You better have a nurse. You go to camp. <laughs> First thing you're looking for, where's the nurse? Because, you know, kids are going to be jumping up and down. So Luke was the physician on the mission trip with Paul. But the book of Acts is a sequel that is written to Theophilus. Now, it's a name that's only mentioned twice in the Bible. It's mentioned in the gospel, beginning of the Gospel of Luke. It's also mentioned here in the beginning of the book of Acts. As a matter of fact, if you pay attention, in the Gospel of Luke, um, Luke addressed Theophilus as the most excellent Theophilus. But in the book of Acts, it's just referred to as Theophilus. Now, that we're going to get to that in a moment. But Paul is writing the book, those two, um, Luke is writing those two books to an individual, but make no mistake about it. The book is intended to be read by the whole church. And as a matter of fact, I will tell you this. Try to imagine the New Testament. After the gospel, you jump to Romans without the book of Acts. It will make no sense. The book of Acts is usually called the Acts of the Apostles. But typically, the proper title of the book should be the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. Now, I know we're Baptists. We don't talk much about the Holy Spirit like this. So this morning, get, get uncomfortable comfortably because we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. We are triune, believing community, which means God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. I wish I had a witness this morning. See, see, see now, the thing that happens is, parenthesis, Pentecostalism has a monopoly on the Holy Spirit. And we, Baptists, we tend to shy away from the Holy Spirit because we don't really understand the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Can I teach the Bible real quick? See, the Holy Spirit, when Jesus was about to take off the ascension, by the way, we're going to get to this in a moment. Um, when Jesus was about to take off, he says, I'm about to leave you one who is just like me. But see, the thing with the, with, with the Trinity, with the, with the triune God is this. They are all exactly the same, but their function is different. There's God the Father, who is God the Father. There's God the Son, who comes to save us. God, Jesus is still God, but his function is different than that of God the Father. And at times we got confusion as we pray. We don't know how, which, who, who do we pray to? You pray to God the Father in the name of the Son. 
Now, you said, what do I say? I'm glad you asked. The Holy Spirit tells you what to say in the name of the Son to, the God, to God the Father. If you didn't know how to pray, now you just, you just got a crash course on prayer. So the Holy Spirit is there as a counselor, as a guide to, to lead us. As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. We're going to touch this a little bit later. Because what happens is this. We don't understand who the Holy Spirit is, so therefore we kind of shy away from the Holy Spirit's passage. You guys still with me? That's a lot to chew. Bite with me. Bite, take, take a big bite with me and we'll, we'll chew it together. So Paul, um, Luke wrote this book to Theophilus. Now, who was Theophilus? So in the first three verses, what Luke is doing is a summation of the gospel of Luke. So he's trying to segue himself from what he wrote to him. And the purpose of why he wrote those two books is so that Theophilus would believe. See, the gospel is written so we can believe. John said the same thing. Mark says the same thing. Matthew says the same thing. Luke, therefore, says the same thing. So Luke is Luke wrote to Theophilus so he could believe. So in the first three verses, he's giving a summation. It says, what Jesus begun, notice the past tense of the verb. What Jesus begun to do and to teach. So now, in the book of Acts, Luke is segue and to show what the Holy Spirit of God is about to do. Ooh. In the gospel, Jesus is the star. In the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is the star. And in all books, God gets, the, God, God gets the glory. Are you guys with me? So now, Theophilus. Who was Theophilus? Theophilus, some, there are three theories that theologians come up with. Um, they say that he was a Jew from Alexandria. As a matter of fact, John Wesley believes that. Uh, 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 because they said that he was a Jew, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, was, uh, Theophilus was a Jew, uh, Jewish person of social standing who lived in Alexandria, Egypt. So, so therefore, they said that Luke is writing to him. Because remember, Theophilus is mentioned twice in the Bible. So then they said that he was a, a Roman official. He was with the Roman official, therefore the title and look, which is um, most honorable, right? In other words, he was of a high stature. He was a man who had a high position. And which is the third one, which is what most theologians believe, it was an honorary title that he received, that they said some people think that Theophilus was not a person at all. Some believe that he was a makeup if you will, like a, 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 a makeup name that happens so that the church would believe. But now, what does the word Theophilus mean? If you pay attention, Theophilus, right? Theos, God. So, the, 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 the name Theophilus has two meanings. It can mean friend of God. It's a name that we all can receive from God by following his teaching and recognizing that Abraham was a friend of God, Right? I am a friend of God. I am the friend of God. 
He calls me friend. Theophilus means, one of the meaning is like a friend of God. Another one, the second meaning of Theophilus is that loved by God. Aren't you glad that you are loved by God this morning? I mean, uh, before I get to preach it, can I, can, I, can I preach parenthetically for you this moment? The fact that you woke up this morning was a, was a sign that God still loved you. He didn't have to wake you up. I, I, I know y'all got masks. Y'all can shout at me. Y'all can say anything. But let me say this again. The very fact that you are breathing, I'm breathing at this very moment, is a sign that God loves us. Because the Bible says God is love. And it's marvelous. It's a marvelous thing to, to, to follow the, the Lord and know that we are loved by God. I mean... Your boo may leave you. Your bae may dump you on social media publicly. I mean, Kanye West got dumped by Kim Kardashian. Anything's possible, amen? But uh, whatever, however that goes. But uh, let, me tell you, let me tell you something. God will never leave you. Because in his promise, he loved you. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So then, we get to verse 4. Verse 4, we see this. In verse 4, it reads like this. Let me read it for you from the ESV version. It says this, And while staying with them, this was Jesus' last meal with the disciples before he ascended. And he told them specifically, Don't y'all go nowhere. Don't you guys go anywhere until you receive the Spirit. Until you baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now, here it is. Here it is. Can, can, I, can I shrink this whole theological point right there real, real quick? Verse 8 is when they received it. And verse 8 is when they received it. But there's a purpose behind this. Now, we, we, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna go to a duality as to what does the baptism of the Spirit mean. But what Jesus was telling them, don't y'all go nowhere until you receive the Spirit. Now, notice in the Gospel of Luke, it says the baptism of the Spirit and fire, right? In the book of Acts, it says baptism of the Spirit. Are you, are you guys with me? Are you guys tracking with me? Do you know why fire is dropped? It's because fire means judgment. So Jesus this was not a mission for judgment. This was a mission for the expansion of the church. So therefore, it says, wait, chill, slow down, sit down, and they are in Jerusalem. And it says, y'all can go nowhere. Sounds familiar? March 15, 2020, everybody shut down, stay home, can't go Nowhere. And so therefore, what took place based on this baptism is a result of what we hear today. Because as a result of this, they were able to spread the gospel. And that's what the book of, the, uh, of, the, the, the book of Acts is doing, giving you the history of the church, giving you, giving you all the, 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 provide you a guide, and even, even in a sense, you see some apologetics in the book of Acts, how Peter and, 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 and Paul, how they defend their faith in the midst of public officials, Jewish officials. 
you see all these things how, but, but the real essence of the book is that it depicts the triumph of Christianity even in the face of bitter persecution. For those of you who think that your Christianity is happy-go-lucky, uh, um, as one of the uh, um, contemporary uh, um, author wrote a book, Every Day is Friday, if you think every day is going to be Friday, God bless you. It ain't going to be Friday. But you have the book of Acts that tells you how to deal in face of persecution. So now, what does, let's look at the difference between the baptism. Baptism of water, which is what John provided. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is what Jesus promised, which is the gift from the Father. Baptism is the word, the Greek word, baptizo. It means immerse, right? Go over there. For those of you born and raised in this church, you go over there. Pastor Clevo or Pastor um, Alexand tells you, bend your knees, right? Actually, save your question. You get nice, nice bath. <laughs> you plunge, you get down under. So what that means is that when you submerge, it's, it's a sign, it's a public declaration that your sins went down under. When you come up, you washed away. You washed clean. That's what we do. Now, parenthesis, baptism doesn't save you. But if you save, you baptize. You can be saved and not baptized and still make it to heaven. Y'all remember a few weeks ago, the cross? The guy never got baptized as far as water baptism. So now, again, Bible says that if you believe, you are to be baptized. All right? So now, what? Let, let's look at so now that's water baptism. So now some, some people can even say that if you're talking about baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you take the same connotation, immersion, right? Immerse. So you said like you are dipped, dipped into the Holy Spirit, you, right? But that's not necessarily the context here. But nevertheless, let's look at this, and I want to take the rest of my time to look at the baptism. There are two different uses for baptism of the Holy Spirit. Two different uses, all right? So it's important that we understand the biblical meaning, um, like terms like baptism and or with the Holy Spirit, because it's part of our Christian experience, especially for those of us who are of the Baptist faith, all right? So now, for lack of better, for lack of time, let's do a parallel between our text, Acts 1.5, and 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Let's start with 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Um, it should be on the screen. It says, Paul says this, right? Just as the body is one, and has many members, and all the members of the body, through many, are one. So it is with Christ, for in one spirit, we were all what? Baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we are all made to drink from one spirit. Okay, can I teach the Bible here real quick? When you are saved, when you confess your sin, 
You accept Jesus into your heart. The Spirit of God comes and dwells with you, what Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians, as the seal of the Holy Spirit. That, since we are Baptists, we don't believe you can lose your salvation, that sealed stay with you forever. Now, can you sadden the Holy Spirit? Yes, you can. As a matter of fact, yes, we have. Because when we don't do what we're supposed to do, we sat in the Holy Spirit. But see, that's the spirit we receive at conversion is not the spirit that's talking about here and the baptism of the spirit. Mind you, again, this is, this is like you are parsing term, terminology. When you are saved, you receive the baptism. How do I know this is not the same baptism they're talking about? The apostles Jesus was talking to. This is not the same baptism they're talking about. The apostles he was talking to, when they were waiting for the baptism of the Spirit, they were not waiting for the salvation. They were already saved. Are you all with me? I mean, you all everybody still got the same Bible as, as I, right? They were waiting for the Spirit, for the baptism of the Spirit, but they were already saved. Because now what they are waiting for is for the empowerment to get to work, which is Similar to what we need, we need what Acts 4, 5, 1, 4, 4 5 talks, is talking about is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. See, see, notice, notice it says this, and while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise, which he said, you have heard from me, for John baptized with water, and Jesus himself was a recipient of the baptism. But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not so many days from now. And also notice, Jesus also was a recipient of baptism of the Holy Spirit himself because up on his water baptism, what happened? Come on, y'all still read the Bible, right? It says the Spirit, the, the Spirit came down like a, a dove, right? And it says, this is my beloved in whom I am well pleased. Upon that, Jesus went and about and started a public ministry, what you call today a mega public ministry, right? So then, when Luke and Acts 4 and 5 tells them to wait, he's quoting what John the Baptist himself said in, John, uh, in Luke 3.16. Because John says this, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I, is coming, the strap of his sandals, I'm not worthy to untie. The he he's talking about is Jesus. He says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. See how in the book of Acts, Jesus himself does not say fire. I already make that, make that reference. Are you guys with me? Now, I don't think Jesus means that his disciples will be converted from unbelief to belief in the baptism. And this is where we have to understand this. When Jesus says you're going to be baptized with the Spirit, they're already saved because they already believed. And it's upon believed in Christ Jesus, then you now receive the, spirit, the baptism of the Spirit to do what God calls you to do. So Luke ends um, his gospel with a description of the apostles 
before the experience they were supposed to wait for called the baptism of the Spirit. And Luke 24, 52 and 53 says this, And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing of God. Here's a group of men worshipping Jesus. They have great joy. They blessing God with Jesus in the temple. But they are not ungenerated disciples waiting to be born again by the, by the arrival of the Holy Spirit. There's no way that they can be worshiping God and after being selected by God and serve, to serve God, they were saved. So again, what Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians 12, this is not what Luke is talking about here. Again, so then, what is, it, what is the real meaning of Acts 1.5? And, and I'm going to close with that. Well, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit simply means this. When he said to wait, if you're taking notes, you will receive extraordinary power for Christ's exalting ministry. And, and, and I, I, I keep saying this, and it's a refrain, especially with our generation. You can't do God's work without God. You cannot do God's ministry without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And this is exactly what the church, what the apostles needed. Because later on, Peter and, 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 and the boys are going to be saying, silver and gold, have I none? But in the name of Jesus, get up and go. They did that in the, not only they were filled with the Spirit, but in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Oh, church today, Young and old people, we need an empowerment of the Holy Spirit. This is not Pentecostal theology. This is biblical theology. We can't do anything apart from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We can perform. But if we want to do anything that exalts Christ, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. It's something that we are to teach our children. It's something that we need to understand clearly. And in this season, that's why I am laboring in this. The language in the book of Acts varies. Now, here's a question. Does the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is something that ceased or is it something that's continual? I'm just teaching this morning. See, here's the thing. Don't confuse the empowerment of the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues. Some people may have the gift to speak in tongues. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's just the, that's just the box that the box you put the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in. See, that's why it's so funny. Uh, um, she, well, somebody was praying. One of the one of the uh, um, one of you were, was were praying before I preach, and you keep saying anoint the preacher fresh and you know the Spirit of God. And what you are asking is for a fresh empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And the 11 o'clock service, 
Pastor LaRose mentioned the same thing. He says one of the best things somebody can ever say to him is that I'm praying that God, God, that God can use you mightily. When you make that prayer, what you are asking is for the power of the Holy Spirit. So which means that at any given moment, based on what you are about to do, the Spirit will empower you in a portion that's only specifically known to God for you to do what you need to do. That's why I don't understand how husband and wife get into those kind of arguments, get into those kind of shouting match, and say certain things that you cannot, I know Americans say, I take it back, that you cannot take it back because if you had let the Holy Spirit of God empower you to speak to your wife or your husband in that moment, you wouldn't say what you say. Children, I don't get it how you were saved and, and, and baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, but yet you were talking to your parents in the way that you do. Or even parents. Bombs are creole. Parents qui baptisé, qui sauvé, qui gagne cet esprit. Gagne moi, Wabdi Timounio. Et pas cet esprit. Are you with me? So, because if you are saved, if you got the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit will be evident in what you do. And how you do, and what you say. Whether we are on social media, whether we are in, in, in a close quarter with our boo bay, whether we are the only one who can see what we are doing, but because of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we are able to do things that is Christ exalting. There are four takeaways, and then I'll take my seat. Number one, regardless of how you believe in this baptism of the Holy Spirit, but there are some benefits that are still very much applicable to us today. Number one, the baptism of the Holy Spirit draws all of us together. They were all together. Jesus says, don't go nowhere until we get the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Now today, we're not all together in one small room, but through the Spirit, we are all connected. Have you ever get into a situation and you're about to do something you're not supposed to do, but there's a brother or sister who's very spiritual and God used them to give you a phone call and said, so-and-so, what you doing? It's as if like they were all up in your Kool-Aid. Because the Spirit of God link us up together. Because we are members of one body. And, and that's why we can't get into this individualistic Christianity of America. Where it's about me, 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 myself, and I. No, because what you do affects me. What I do affects you. I like this old song. I need you. You need me. We are all a part of God's body. It's in his will that we should survive. You are important to me. I need you to survive. Because if I'm messing up, 
You better be empowered. You better be drawn by the Holy Spirit to call me and say, Pastor Perry, no can do, brother. You can go there. Sister so-and-so, whatever it is, because the Spirit of God draws us together. Second thing is that the, the, the Holy Spirit makes us one family. I don't know about you. During this pandemic, the family dynamic has been tested, but yet, if you capitalize on this pandemic, your family dynamic has been strengthened. You, you, are you guys following what I'm saying? I mean, it, it, it's, it's like now, and, and I said this, it's like, you know, my kids don't do children's church. We do the same church. Before the pandemic, it was like, oh, you go to children's church. Now it's like, we all sit together. In other words, the same food I'm eating is what they are eating, which is how God intended for it to be. I'm not, I'm not anti-children's church, but I'm saying my kids were able to reason, were able to think. They are sitting there now, listening to the gospel, not just the VeggieTales version, nothing again, nothing was with that. But they are sitting there listening to the gospel being preached. And we know what the word of God says. It will never return void. And that's why those of you who are here in the sanctuary and those of you who are watching online, we are one family. We are one family. The Holy Spirit makes us one family. The baptism of the Holy Spirit makes us one family. So we see that it draws us all together and it makes us one family. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit makes us what? Also connects us to God. Again, I'm going backwards. You see the horizontal, now you see the vertical. Because it also connects us to God. Because here's the thing. If you satin the Holy Spirit, guess who you satin? God. I, I know, I know, I know, that's, 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 I know that may not be as exciting for you, but again, the, Holy, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It connects us to God. How can you do God things without God? That's why it says in the gospel that a lot of people will say they, they've done wonders. And God will say, depart from me for I never knew you. We need the Holy Spirit. Before you send that text, before you send that, that, that picture, before you post that post, Think about it. Will that post, will that text, will that voice message, will that picture, will that whatever that you do, is it going to be something that reflects the fact that you are connected to God? And lastly, lastly, the baptism of the Holy Spirit empowers us to witness. And that's, that's the purpose of the book of Acts, right? It says this, you will receive the Holy Spirit. You will have power. You, you guys see it? You guys see it? You will have power so you can be my witnesses to the end of the world. That's the immediate description of what's going, of what's going to happen if you wait for the baptism. So it's an Empowering, it's an empowering for global Christ exalting effectiveness. 
it bothers me, and as I think about it, how is it that you've been saved and you've never witnessed for you never witnessed to anyone Christ? This is a great opportunity, even on social media, even what the very platform that you use to still be a witness to somebody. Because you've been empowered to witness. You know, Casting Crowns has this song that they took out of the, the, the Gospel of Mark. Until the whole world hears. Until the whole world. Here's the thing. Jesus is using you and I to tell others about his love. We've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to share the good news. To let a dying world know that there's Jesus. A few years ago, Southern Baptist Convention released an article that says this. If you live in the South Florida area, you are basically living in the mecca of the world as far as evangelism is concerned. Because at any given moment, somebody, before COVID, somebody can be flying on a plane and having to stay at a hotel for a couple of days and they go to the remotest part of the world and you are the person who was the hotel attendant, you get to serve them. But because you are a Christian, if you serve, if you are empowered to give them the witness, you may plant the seed of the gospel that goes somewhere that that, that person may never come back here again and have access to the gospel again. So have you, think, have you think about this? When you are driving, when you are going to your class, when you are around the people, various people around you, are you thinking about the fact that you've been empowered to be a witness for God and sharing his gospel? What do you believe the baptism of the Spirit occurs at conversion of some different point? We all can agree that the baptism of the Holy Spirit bring us closer to God and closer to others. This morning, my challenge to you is that you would ask God, as you hear this, not, as you hear this not so happy-go-lucky sermon, but you hear this much-needed sermon, you would ask God, for those of you who are watching and for those of you who are sitting under the sound of my voice, my challenge to you is this. You got to ask, have I received the gift that was promised to me? The gift that empowers me to do Christ's exalting ministry. And we talk about ministry, it's not just Brother Clevens or Brother Dave or Brother, you know, it's, it's not just the, the, the pastors. No, 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 it's all of us. It's all of us. Would it be in your speech, in your conduct, in your relationship, in what you do? Is Christ being exalted in it? Because if you, be, if you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, if you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it ought to be exalted would it be a parent who's talking to a child? Would it be a child talking back to a parent? Does it show that the Holy Spirit of God has empowered you? Because it's a promise. 
And one thing I know about God, what he promised, it will come to pass. That's what we sing in the first, first song, one of the songs that we were singing. He's faithful, ever faithful. In other words, what he says is what he'll do. Jesus says a promise was given. We've been sealed already, if you say. But now, this promise gift. So this morning, as every head's bow, every eye's closed, whatever it is that's been a hindrance for the empowerment of the Spirit to display, stand up. Nobody can see you, just me. Stand up, and God, more importantly, stand up and say, God, take this away from me. I need a fresh anointing. I need a fresh portion. I need a fresh empowerment of your spirit. Don't be shy. Just on your feet and say, God, it could be hatred for some of you. It could be disappointment. It could be bitterness. Whatever's going to be a hindrance, as the worship team come back, whatever's a hindrance that's, in, that's stopping you from doing Christ's exalting ministry, from doing Christ's exalting things on your school, on the campus of, uh, uh, of your job, on the campus of your of universities or colleges, in your high schools, at your home with your parents, at home with your wives and husband, whatever it is, get on your feet and say, God, empower me to let it go. Empower me so that the Holy Spirit can really dictate what I do. Because the Bible tells us that whatever we do, whether we eat, whether we drink, we do it all for the glory of God. May God bless you.